if you, uh, we'll try to get through this this morning. If you got your Bibles, if you turn over to Galatians chapter 5, for just a few minutes this morning, we're, we're going to look at, uh, look at some fruits. <clears throat> we'll try to do a few things towards Christmas these next few Sundays, and I thought, if I could just come up with a good series title. And so, we're going to call it, All I Want for Christmas. All I Want for Christmas. And this morning is joy. All I Want for Christmas is joy. We don't, we sing about joy. We'll be singing, I guess starting next Sunday, we'll start singing joy to the world. I come in this morning, my heart was broke. Jerry, I come in, I was looking for that big old Christmas tree standing up, I thought. I thought that was about Christmas time. I even warmer Christmas time. We're going to be singing joy to the world. And I don't think we, we ponder on what the word joy is, what it means, if we have it or not. And a lot of times we get it mixed up with happiness. We don't know the difference between joy and happiness. And there's a huge difference in the two of them. But it's that time of year right now that we're going to start Again, same joy to the world. We're going to start talking about what the joy of the world is, who the joy of the world is. But it's time to start getting our decorations out. It's time to start decorating for Christmas. So come in here. I'm assuming we'll come in here next Sunday, and this place will be completely changed around, which right now I would be okay with it staying like this year-round. I'm all right with this. But we'll start getting our decorations down. Marie and the girls getting their stuff out i got to stop saying that, Maria and the kids. It's been the girls for 15 years. <laughs> but they got their stuff out, and both the girls have their Christmas trees in their rooms. And One of the things you got to think about, and, and I don't do decorations. That's all them. I told them I was going to go hunt unicorns and snipe just to get out of the house just because I didn't want anything to do with it. But one of the things I do know about decorations is they're fragile. They break easy. And if you have ever looked at Hallmark, I remember we used to have the Hallmark store there in the mall in Boone. One of the things I thought was crazy was the fact that Hallmark named their ornaments just like kids or pets. And I had read this little thing in one of my books, and it said that uh, this this guy had helped his wife get her decorations down, and um, they were bringing the boxes down, and he heard an ornament fall as he was coming out of the attic, and it broke. It shattered, and he was hoping nobody heard it, but unfortunately his wife heard it, and she come running in, and she looked, and she said, you broke my joy. That was the name of the ornament. It was a Hallmark ornament named Joy, and she said, you broke my joy, and I got thinking, that's, that's a sermon right there. You broke my joy. We, 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 we think that it's hard to do. We think that it's hard to break our joy. Joy is not meant to be fragile. It's meant to be strong. Joy is something that's supposed to be unbreakable. Joy is something that's supposed to be made that will never decay or never rust or never fade. Joy is going to always be up front and always be shiny and always be one of the most beautiful things that we can ever see. Having that joy, having that in our lives, joy to the world. Again, that's Jesus. That is that joy. But it can break sometimes, and sometimes it can fall to pieces. 
times joy can be it can be lost we can forget where we put it just like uh keeps talking about this morning losing Buddha in the closet you know you can lose your joy sometimes and forget where it's at where you placed it and it can take a long time to find it sometimes it is in the back of the closet with the blanket over it's being hid but we can lose that joy sometimes but we've got to be looking for it now i had seen this and i thought about how it was worded and it says, joy has been defined as Jesus first, others second, yourself last. So Jesus, others, you, yourself, that spells out joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Now there's truth in that, but there's also more to it if you really dig into that. We tend to compare joy, again, with happiness. And they're actually two different things. Even though they sound a lot alike, they're not the same thing. Happiness is based on it's based on circumstances or what's happening in the moment. So happiness is based on, and you think about like with, with Clayton coming along, there, there's happiness. He was born, prayed about it for nine years, ten years, and he's finally born, so there's happiness there. And, and, and you, you go back and you look at your job. When you get a job or you get your job and you, your job gives you a raise, you have happiness. Or your kid makes the honor roll, you have happiness you make the final payment on your car, happiness, until the next day when the warranty expires and your transmission goes out. That's normal, ain't it? That's, that's happiness. When those, those circumstances, in the moment, there is happiness that, ha- that takes place. But it's based on circumstances. So naturally, when you don't get that raise at work, you're not happy. When your kid flunks out, you're not happy. When it feels like the car payment never is going to end, you're not happy. You're not joyful. That brings us over to joy now. Joy isn't like happiness because it isn't based on whether uh, things are going well or not. Joy is there. In the Bible, we're given nine fruits of the Spirit. And I want want you to see something here at the beginning of this. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to read it first, and I'm going to try to break this apart. Stand with me just a second. Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16 This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Now listen to these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, now listen, the Spirit, that's that one word right there, Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. 
Let's pray. Father, this morning we do come to you with thankful hearts. Lord, we are thankful for the joy that you brought to this world through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today that you would just have your will and way uh, with this service. Father, I pray that you clear my mind and clear my heart. Uh, Lord, just allow me to focus for just a few moments this morning to bring your message. God, I pray that you would continue to bless this little church, Lord, and those that make it up. Lord, be with those that can't be here today. Father, I pray that you would be with those that are sick, shut in. God, those that are struggling with the loss of a loved one, those that are struggling with uh, a disease or an ailment, an ailment that may be going on, an illness that's there in their lives, Father, I pray that you would touch and, and move in a great way there. God, I pray that you'd bless this great county that we're in, the state we live in, and this country that we're a part of. Father, I pray that you would continue to protect us, lead us, and guide us in all that we do. All this in your Son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Now, Paul refers to works of the flesh right here. Now, there's two things that I found in here that I've never really thought of. This is one of those Wednesday night aha moments as I was studying because we get those quite a bit when I show up on Wednesday night. So we have the word work. Notice the word work is plural. It's works. Works. There are S on the end of it. Works. He names 17 of them. 17 of those works. And then he comes to the fruit of the Spirit, which then he names nine. Now, it's not plural. I want you to look the word spirit. I told you to look the word spirit. It is not our fruit, spirit, fruit or spirit. It's not plural. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's all one. It's one fruit. All together. All together, all nine of those are one piece of fruit. Don't make a lot of sense, does it? Not like we have a banana tree that's going to produce apples and pears and cherries. And I, No, that's what we think of when we think of the, the fruit of the Spirit. We, we always say fruits of the Spirit. It's part of the fruits of the Spirit, but it's actually just one fruit. And it produces many different great things. All these fruits, they hang you know, in one clump. You got your, your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness. So when you're saved, here's what I want you to remember about this. When you're saved, you produce them all. You produce all of that. That's one of the greatest things about salvation. We've got heaven. We've got Jesus in our life now. But we are to be producing fruit. We're supposed to be producing that joy and that love and that happiness that, that comes along with it. We're to produce that fruit. Not just fruit. We're supposed to produce all of that. It's not plural. That's important because you need to understand that they all work together. All of the fruit of the Spirit works together. There's nothing bad in those fruits there that we just read about. And I want to read it again. He says, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those things are not negative. All of those things are positives. All those are great things that we need in our lives and that we are to produce as Christians. We're to be producing each one of those. And also as Christians, we are to be fruit inspectors. Not judges, but fruit inspectors. We should be able to tell amongst ourselves as Christians if, we're able to, if we are producing that fruit. All those goodnesses. I've, I've heard that before. Uh, I've heard one of the deacons at our, our home church say, I said that before, man, he ain't, 
I, I, I ain't judging. I'm just being a fruit, a fruit inspector, and he ain't producing good fruit right now. Things are not going well in that person's life, and it, it may be a little bit negative. But this is where we see the difference in happiness and joy. You can't have happiness and sorrow in the same time. Have you ever tried to have happiness and sorrow at the same time? That's tough. Tough to do. They're opposites. They're opposites of each other. Happiness is a great thing. Sorrow is not such a, a great thing. And the opposites, um, they are opposites, and both of them depend on circumstances. If things are good, what are we? We're happy. If things are bad, we're sad. We're sorrowful. That's just the way it is. We, but joy and sorrow can and they do exist together. Over in Hebrews 12, too, I want, I want you to look at this. I, and, and this is Jesus. This is, this is where this comes from. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is sorrow and there is joy in one verse. Jesus is full of joy. Full of joy. Because he, he has that long-range vision. He can see what's ahead. As Christians, we should see what's ahead. We should have joy knowing that we may go through circumstances in this life. Things that we don't understand. We're going to go through situations that, that make no sense whatsoever. But we need to get past it. Abby's been driving a lot here lately. And I keep telling her how to look through cars. Which makes no sense, I know. But I said, don't look at the car in front of you. You've got to look long range. You've got to look at the third and the fourth and the fifth car out there. Because... One of them may stop, and the car in front of you may not see it. You got to look through the other cars. And we were—I don't know—we was sitting to your mama's last night for Thanksgiving, and we were going down the road, and there's two or three cars in front of her. And I'm looking ahead and up, praying a lot. But I'm looking ahead, and I see deer coming off the off the bank and crossing in front of these cars going over down at Valley Cruces School. I see them coming. The other cars didn't. And Abby didn't. I could see it. I was on the, in the passenger side. I said, Abby, stop. Slow down. There's deer. I don't see them. Well, none of the others did either. And one of them almost got clipped. That's how we are to be in this life, this Christian life that we're living in. We've got to be looking ahead. Even though a deer just got ran over in front of us, we've got to get through that. We've got to look ahead so that we don't, we don't hit it. So as we're going through the sorrows and the, and the torments and the tortures of this life, we've got to look long range. We've got to be looking down the range at what is good, what is coming, what is, but, uh, what's being built for us right now in heaven. So we're going to deal with things here in this life. We're going to deal with the sorrows and the heartaches right now. But long range, there's a ton of joy and there's a lot of happiness Keith said, uh, talking about Revelation this morning, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying. There's no more pain, no more suffering. We don't have to worry about that stuff when we get to heaven. Yeah, we're going to deal with it now, that's for sure. But when we get there, that's where that joy is. That's what we've got to be looking for. That's what Jesus was looking at here. Again, it says, looking unto Jesus. I just want to stop right there where it says, looking unto Jesus. They're saying he's our role model. Looking unto Jesus, looking at him our author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. Thank, thank God he's sitting there. He, he didn't stop at the cross and say, I'm done, it's over with. He looked long range, and he said, I can see the Father. 
I can see the dad. I can see my dad up there. I can see my throne. I can see where I'm going to sit. I can see heaven. And so he looked at the joy. So he endured some suffering, some pain here on the cross for us. But he knew what was coming. He knew what was coming for him and for the rest of us. He was looking to the future and the ability to do that. That's an important part of joy that we are to find in this life. Now, how many of you want real joy in your life? I'm real fat. I'll, I'll get that up, even though it just killed my shoulder. I'm, I'm ready for some real joy. I want you to see three things this morning, just a few facts about joy. Just a few facts about joy. Three, three good ones that I want you to hang on to this morning. Fact number one, people watch how we live. As Christians, people are watching us now. We got young around here. They're not either one of them watching anything right now. But they watch us. Paisley watches y'all. Clayton can't see squat, but it's eventually he's going to be able to see y'all and watch what you're doing. He, they watch us. But it, it's, it goes past these kids. We watch each other. We watch what each other's doing. Now, we're being nosy. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be trying to dig dirt up on anybody. But we should be watching when other people watch how we live. We, we have large crowds of witnesses surrounding us in this world everywhere we go. Even Walmart, people watch us. Dollar General, they're watching us. Roses, people watch us. Building Supply, they're watching us. People are watching what we do. Who are these people that watch us? There's two groups of people. We have believers and unbelievers. Believers are watching other believers. We watch how things are going uh, for these believers. These are the folks that have been saved by God's good grace and, and are there to support us through these trials. They're watching you. They see when you're struggling. As Keith said, people put up a front. They want you to think that everything is okay. It's peaches and cream and biscuits and gravy right now. But that's on the outside. On the inside, they're hurting. They're in pain. They're... they're struggling they don't know what's going on so they put up this front christians are watching each christian other christians and so when you put up that front and it finally collapses and falls down those people are in your corner to support you and to help you and to pray for you and to give you a hand and to give you a hug and to give you a shoulder and give you an ear to listen to or to bend whatever they're there for you so believers are watching believers and they're taking care of them they're the brothers and the sisters that they got your back and they are your biggest cheerleaders. Second group of people are the unbelievers. Now, as, as a believer, did you know that unbelievers watch you? As a Christian, did you know that non-Christians watch you? They watch you a lot closer than the Christians do. They're waiting for you to fall. They're waiting for, they want to see you fall something fierce. Non-believers, atheists, whatever you want to call them, agnostic, they want to see you fall it's because they don't want to know or they do want to know if your faith is real or not they want to know if you're going to stand by or practice what you preach when you're down and out and you've lost it all are you still going to turn to god are you going to turn away from him they want to see you and see just how strong you are stay strong because you may be leading in christ and you don't even know it yet they may see just how strong you are and say man he does have faith in in that jesus he talks about Maybe I want to know a little bit more about it. Stay strong. They want to know when times are tough, when you find yourself in a valley, 
when all the circumstances go wrong, when everything just piles up on you and you're stressed out and you finally are going to break, will you stand up for Jesus or are you going to take a, uh, are you going to step away? You're going to give up. You're going to stand up for Jesus or you're going to give up on Jesus? That's what an unbeliever wants to see from you. Are you going to stand up or walk away? Any, anyone can stand for Jesus when everything is good and the blessings are just absolutely pouring in. It's easy. You can brag about Jesus all you want to. When the blessings are good and everything is going great in your life, tell everybody just how good God is. That's great. But what about when things are not so good? What are they, what are they going to ask? Hmm, where's that joy now? Them unbelievers are going to say, where is all that joy you talked about? All the great things that you talked about about your God, where are they at now? That's what they're going to they're gonna ask. Fact number two, the weight of life can damage your joy. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Heavy things can, can make things harder on you. Heavy things, the weights of the world can ruin your joy sometimes, can damage it. We carry a lot of weight around. And believe it or not, I, I don't know if y'all know this or not, you bring most of it on yourself. Did y'all know that? It is. God ain't putting that on you. You brought it on yourself because you're stubborn, because you won't let God have it, deal with it. And he tells us to, to share our burden with him, that he's, gonna, he's our burden bearer, that he's going to take it if we would let him take it. But what do we do? We take it ourselves, and it just keeps piling up and piling up and piling up. We can't take it, and eventually something's going to break. A guy made a commitment. He said, I'm going to lose 25 pounds in a year. He said, I, just, I got 12 months, I'm going to lose 25 pounds. He lost 27 pounds working out and he said he went over one time uh, when he was at the gym and he he picked up a 25 pound weight and he picked up and he said I don't want this that's the way I think about burdens he wanted to lose 25 pounds he lost 27 and once he lost it he didn't want it back again that's our burdens that's what weighs us down once you have given your burdens to God you shouldn't want it anymore I don't want to take that back I don't want that in my life. I don't need that extra weight, that extra uh, luggage, that extra whatever it is in my life. Now, there are a lot of things that can weigh us down. Lots of things. And you think about it, in this life, every one of us has gone through these things. You have grief. you got guilt. Our own sorrow, anger, loneliness. We go through that stuff. All that is heavy. Those things are heavy. There's so much more out there. Those are heavy. Those weigh a lot. So when anything weighs us down and presses on us, it, it burdens us down, and we move slower, move a lot slower. When you go in the woods without a deer, you're pretty fast, ain't you? But when you come out of the woods with a deer, how many times you stop? <laughs> a lot. You might not smoke when you go in, but you do coming out. We, we, we have those, that extra weight slows us down. We are not... We're not moving as quickly as we should as Christians because we have those on us. The Bible says just give it to Jesus. He said, my burden's easy. And then he tells us that his yoke is light. To let him have it. Now yoke, if you think about a yoke, it's meant for two. I think. I've never seen a single yoke. They may make, they make a single yoke. Is there a single yoke? VJ, you're old. Do they make a single yoke? Your camels? Did you have camels back? There's a single yoke. I don't know. 
I've always just seen a double yoke. Just a double yoke. So don't ruin this for me right now, all right? A double yoke takes two. When they put a yoke, when they have their oxen out there, they have two oxen. Do you ever see one oxen just pulling and the other one out grazing? No, it takes two to do the work. If you look at a yoke, it's you and Jesus, or Jesus and you. It takes two. He says, your burdens are heavy, and my, my yoke, it's awful. He said, come to me. Come to me, and I'll help you pull. I'll help you take this load off. Try, try to do it alone. Next burden you get, try to deal with it by yourself. And see what happens. You can't make it. You're going to fail. You'll be like a one ox with a double yoke. Ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. They can't do it alone. You can't either. Number three, learn to keep your eyes on Jesus. There are so many distractions in this world right now. I cannot, I can't imagine what it's going to be like when these youngins that we have here today get older and the more distractions that are going to come in. I'm, I'm not that old, but I, I do remember a time when there wasn't cell phones and internet and all this stuff on TV right now. There wasn't as many distractions when I grew up. My biggest distraction was coon dogs and coons, squirrels, deer, bear. Things in the woods. I didn't have things to distract me like kids do now. And that worries me. Because we're supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus. And it's awful hard to keep your eyes on Jesus when the world's giving you a lot of shiny bells and whistles. So much going on in this world right now that's taking our mind off of. That's why this world we live in right now is in the shape that it's in. Because they have distracted us. The world has taken us and, and showed us something pretty over here and shiny in the corner, and we've taken our eyes off God. And so we're, we're losing touch with Him. He is the source and the perfecter of our faith. He is the one who, who gets us started and the one who matures us and gives us the ability to keep on going. It is only Him that sustains us. The Bible tells us that He is the one that sustains the birds in the air, the fish in the sea. And the beasts in the field, he is the one that's providing the water, the air, the grass, whatever it is. It is him that provides. And it's all him that provides for us. The water for us to drink and the bread for us to eat. He sustains us. And we forgot about that. Now, we all, we all run, don't we? Every one of us sitting here right now, we run, don't we? Yeah, we do. We get run down. <laughs> James, I think, is the only one that runs in here, ain't you? Probably. If you see me running, there's something bad getting ready to happen. Yeah, we all run. We all, we all get run down. We all get tired. Do you know why we get tired? It's because of a little thing called endurance. We're missing it. We don't have it. Paul tells us to run the race. But races, if you've ever ran much... You know, the first few feet are fine. <laughs> when your endurance runs out, then you get tired. You start getting weak and weary, and you can't make it. We don't have that trouble running until it runs out, that endurance. Endurance, the definition for endurance is the ability to withstand hardship or adversity. It's the ability to get through a difficult situation without breaking down and dropping out. That's what endurance is. 
Where do we where do we find our endurance? The Holy Spirit gives us that endurance. He's the one that that keeps on our feet and keeps us running this race and, and keeps the pace set for each one of us. It's the ability to actually finish the race. Now I told you a while ago, we gotta look long range. You got you gotta look way on down. You gotta be looking for some pearly gates and some streets of gold. That's what we gotta be focused on. That's the finish. Of, of this race once we we cross that line the finish line we're home we're home in heaven we're, we we get to go to our mansion and we get to sit with everybody that, that's going on before us and we get to to have a time that's the end that's the end of that race now you ask any runner about this right here i had to do a little research because lord knows i don't run but i was looking at track meets now i, I remember when i was in high school evidently Cross country and all that stuff is a big deal for some nerd. Not me. They say track meets last four, three to five hours, three, four, five hours, and there's tons of events going on during track meet. Things, pole vaulting and 400, 40s, whatever they're running out there. There's a lot of things going on out there. But there, it's a lot of events, and, and none of them last long. None of the events last long at all. You come to track meet, and you stay for a few hours, and you only watch somebody for about five minutes because they're pretty short. So what's the key to finishing well and reaching that finish line? It's run hard and don't look back. So all these events that are taking place at these track meets, everybody that's in this track meet is running hard and not looking back. Bible tells us we can't look back. There's no way. It says you can't kick against the pricks. You cannot, you cannot keep your hands on the plow and move forward and look back. Whenever you're running, unless there's a bear chasing you, and I might look back once or twice for that. <laughs> but when you're running and you start to look back, I think about how many of them football players you ever watched get right at the end zone and they turn around and look back, somebody comes in blindsides and knocks that ball out of their hand or tackles them and they, they, they're short a foot or inches because they look back. Don't look back. There is nothing back there that you need to be looking for, except that bear. Make sure you're ahead of it. There's nothing back there. Those runners don't look back. They're looking ahead at that finish line. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. That is the finish line. And there's a reason for all this. Now, we're, we're to run this way because there's something God has prepared for each one of us. God put a lot of thought. No, let me back up. God put a lot of heart in this that he has prepared for us. Now, we, we know what the Bible says about what he's prepared for us. We're talking about heaven, the things that he has prepared for us. But one thing that he's prepared for us that we tend to overlook, and this is the thing, he's prepared for us joy. Every one of us, he's prepared us joy. He's given us something to be joyful about. Not happy about, but joyful about. Remember, happiness is per circumstance. Joy's long term. There's good news, though. It's not just for later. It's for now. The joy that He has prepared for us is not just for heaven. It's for now. The joy He has prepared for us comes in the form of the church, our family, our friends, sometimes, sometimes work, depending on where you work, I guess. But there's joy this side of heaven. And a lot of times we, we tend to overlook it. As Christians, we've missed the joy. But it's right here before us. It's right in front of us.
there's a, an element of hope and joy, and we call it anticipation. So we're, we're right here at Christmas. We are less than a month away. Don't throw anything at me for saying that. We are less than a month away. So what, what, are, what are some of these youngins right now? They're anticipating it's to come. December 25th or 24th, depends on when you do it. They're anticipating what's going to be prepared for them and be given them by friends and family. That's the Christian. We're anticipating what's being prepared for us and what will be given to us at some point. When we leave this life, when we leave this earth, and we get, I'm anticipating what I'm going to see. Just like we talk about all the time. John is a tease. John wrote the book of Revelation and teased the fire out of us because we don't know what's there. We were so anxious. We want to see it. We're, we, we're anticipating what we're about to see. What is there that God has prepared for each one of us? We're anticipating that joy. And it's something that we can't wrap our minds around because we've never experienced that kind of joy. We've never experienced the peace that we're getting ready to experience when we get to heaven. Jesus knew one day he would sit in the presence of the Father, and that gave him the ability to endure the cross. That's why he did what he did for us, because, again, he looked long-range. It wasn't just the cross. He knew that he would have to suffer and die there, but it was because of the anticipation of what waited for him once he was done with the cross. The anticipation of what waits for us once we are done with this life here on earth. We should be full of joy because of knowing what is to come. Joy doesn't depend on your circumstances. It depends on Jesus. I'm going to read you one little story real, or tell you one little story real fast, and we're going to close out. There was a lady that done a lot of traveling, and she had a connector flight somewhere, and she had a little bit of a long layover, and she, she got off the plane, went into the airport, and she had went into these little stores and was going to buy a couple little souvenirs, and she went, it was really busy in that little souvenir. She got her a couple things, and she finally took forever, but she finally got the cashier and was paying for it. And the cashier was in such a hurry that she didn't bag up those two gifts that this woman bought. So the lady kind of got pushed to the sides for the next customer to come up and pay. Well, she didn't bag, put her gifts in. And there was a lady sitting behind the counter. And this woman that was bought the gifts, she, she leaned over the counter, and she said, man, um, can I get a bag? This lady did not give me a bag for my gifts. Can you give me one? And the lady just looked at her, rolled her eyes, shook her head and said, no. She said, it's not my shift yet. It's not my shift yet. And so this lady kind of stepped back and she laughed about it. Never got her bag, by the way. She never got her bag and she just laughed about it. When she got home, she told her family about it. Well, then that, from that on, every time she'd ask her kids to do something, they'd shake their head and say, it's not my shift yet. It's not, don't you dare think about saying that. <laughs> Bust your tail. It's not my shift yet. That's what they say. I could see Abby doing that. Abby, go feed the dogs. It's not my shift yet. I'm going to remind you, every one of us as, as believers, it's our hope, and it should be our goal to bring joy to others. Your shift started when you were saved. It is your shift. When you were saved... You begin a job, you begin a 
discipleship. You, you began something here on earth that you might not have been ready for, but you're seeing it now. Your shift started at salvation. Your shift to start spreading joy and love and peace and happiness and meekness, all the things that we talked about with the fruit of the Spirit, it started when you were saved. So you can't weasel out shift. We share this shift. You're not in this shift alone. We're going through this together. I don't know if y'all have ever done shift work, but man, I tell you what, if you do it by yourself, it gets lonely. It's nice to have people there with you when you do, go through this the shift. You're not alone. Your shift has already started. Until then, let the joy out and stop holding it in. Let all the joy out that you can. Spread that joy. Not just the Christmas spirit that we're, everybody's getting ready to get into, but throughout the year, spread that joy. Spread that happiness. Spread that love. Because your shift started when you got saved. Don't sit on your hands. Get off the pews. Get to work. We've got a lot to do. Stand with me. We're going to close out. So evidently my heart has acclimated to this elevation. I don't know what's going to happen when we get home. You might have to drive. I feel a lot better right now. <laughs> I told John to bed the truck and let her drive. I appreciate y'all's prayers again, and I just just keep praying. I've, I'll uh, I'll try to keep you posted as I hear anything. I just don't know what's going on. Hopefully tomorrow we'll get a little bit more blood taken off. Last Monday I did it. My feet went numb. I'd given two pints in less than a week, and it probably was was not the best move. It seems to work. My heart's feeling a lot better. It's not as tired. I'm not as tired. So y'all just keep praying. We'll keep you posted as we can. And Hope y'all had a great Thanksgiving. I, I feel like a slacker. I didn't call and tell y'all th- happy Thanksgiving. There's a lot, lots going on, and I just I forgot about it. But I hope y'all did have a good Thanksgiving with your families and your friends. And uh, You ate a lot of red meat for me because I didn't get to even look at it because somebody won't let me look at it or eat it. It's lots of turkey and chicken and tuna. Anybody have anything on their heart this morning before we dismiss or close out? All right. Arizona? He's in Arizona, right? Is he in Arizona? Arizona. All right. Okay. Okay. Y'all remember Miss George and Allen? Absolutely. Both of us. It's easier to give it up than it is try to try to hide it. A lot more work involved in in a hole and trying to to hide it, ain't there? Anybody else?
All right. Anybody else? Okay. All right. <laughs> I miss her. Anybody else? Ethan, you want to pray? You want to do it? You don't want to? All right, let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for today. Thank you for this group of individuals that um, God, I'm just just glad to call them. Brothers and sisters, I call them friends. God, I can call them prayer warriors. I can call them a lot of great things. But Lord, I'm thankful I can call them yours. And I pray, God, today as, as we leave this place, that Lord, you just keep us healthy, keep us safe. Lord, allow us to be a vessel. Allow us to be a lot when we leave this place. Lord, I pray that when we leave here, we can just spread that joy that we talked about. Or we can just spread it wherever we go. Lord, the joy that's in our hearts because of that salvation, the joy that's in our hearts because of what's past that finish line for each one of us. The others can see it. Lord, they feel it. They're going to want it. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for salvation we thank you for the cross we thank you for this season that we're upon now where we can recognize and celebrate the birth of your son jesus christ oh lord we needed him and you knew we needed him father thank you for sending him thank you for sending your only begotten son as john says your only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish have everlasting life what a message there is for us to tell pray lord god give us that opportunity let us be a witness let us be a disciple let us be a prayer partner for those that are struggling we thank you again for today i bless your son's name we pray amen